0: let the church say amen again he is our God and he is alive as we bow our head in prayer we are learning it's always best uh, to talk to God about man before we talk to man about God as we bow heavenly father as always humbly as we know how we approach that throne of grace and goodness Father, we recognize that even at our best, we are still but filthy rags in thy presence. But, Father, we thank you for the covenantal blood of Jesus the Christ that has afforded us this opportunity that we are able to stand in awe of your grandeur, of your glory. Father, as always, we thank you for blessing us with your word. Father, we thank you for your word that is able to transform each and every one of our lives. And, Father, we pray as always that as we have come this day, Father, we have come with a heart ready to receive that which you have intended for us to receive. Father, we pray as always that your word will continue to take root and residence in our heart. That we as your people, Father, may be able to exemplify the things that we have learned, the things that we have seen, and the things that we have come to know as Bible truth. Father, as always, we ask that you be with me, thy servant. That we are able to preach your word in such a manner that the simplest among us, Father, is able to understand what thus said the Lord. And, Father, we pray as always that we do not anything of our own glory, but we pray in everything that we do this day, Father, that you may get the glory throughout. Father, we are asking that you continue to open our hearts. Father, open our eyes to the things that you would have us to do that may ever be pleasing in your sight, Father. That this world may know that you are a living God and the world may know what thus said the Lord in order for all of us. To be saved. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this privilege that we have been granted uh, this hour. And we ask that you be with us. And we pray as always that all the things that are said are said for your glory and for our good. It is in the mighty name of Jesus the Christ that we do pray. And the whole house said, Amen. Amen. The Bible divinely declares in the first division of the book of Psalms Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth at the seat of the scornful. For the Bible says his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law that he meditate day and night. And the Bible says, and he shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Practically, as always, we have come amongst the people of God that are excited and elated about God's prosperous blessings upon their lives. For we serve a God that knows how to bless us over and over, and over, and over, and over. Amen. Some of y'all going to wake up this morning. We serve a God that knows how to bless us and over and over again. And we are thankful uh, to the mighty God that we serve because he is a good God. God's goodness from the word of God is never a medium it is always a maximum and we are thanking God that when he blesses us over and over and over again as the people of God we are able to proclaim his name there are some praise that ought to come out of the mouth of the people of God for what God has done for each and every one of us in here I like what Joshua did before the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan River Joshua declared to them that they serve a living God Joshua said when you get amongst all those pagan nations the nations of the Amalekites, the nations of the Parasites, the Amazite, and the Termites. I've seen them, some of y'all's up this morning. He said, when you get amongst all those other nations, you need to know that they serve a dead God, but the God that you serve is a living God. So you ought not to give them praise that belongs to me. That's what God said when he said, I'm a jealous God. He's saying, you ought not to give anybody else what belongs to me, and I'm here to tell you this morning, we owe God some praise. And we ought not to give his praise To everybody else, because the God that we serve, he is a living God. Our God is alive, and in him we live, we move, and have our very being. At this time, we want to extend our great appreciation to your minister, uh, Brother W.L. Vils, for this great opportunity that we have been uh, given to be able to come and preach uh, here at the Hollywood Street Church of Christ. Uh, We want to thank you for receiving us this morning. Amen. It's a wonderful thing when a congregation is able uh, to receive the man of God that is preaching uh, the word of God. And you guys have always met me uh, with great hospitality and fellowship of love. And we want you to know that we are truly appreciative of that. I see some of you acting tight with me this morning. I know Brother Viltz is not up here. Amen. And you were looking for Brother Viltz, but Brother Viltz is not here this morning. So y'all can just go ahead and warm up with Brother Parker this morning, if y'all don't mind. Amen. Amen. We bring you greetings uh, from. Church of Christ at Northside uh, in Opelousas, Louisiana, where we have uh, diligently served there for five years now. And we are appreciative of the saints there because they have grown us. They have cost us a little bit of hair on the top of my head. uh, But we are thankful. Amen. That's why I stand there. Amen, somebody. Uh, But we are thankful uh, to serve them with such uh, love and all that God has afforded uh, uh, for us to do in the city of Apollosis. Certainly, we ask that you guys to keep us uh, in prayer. There are some things that we are trying to do within the city and also to the edifice, and we are certainly uh, always appreciate uh, the nature of prayer. I would be amiss this morning if I did not recognize uh, my lovely wife who is with me this morning. Amen. Uh, we three years in counting. She's been putting up with me for three years now. Uh, y'all to say amen, amen, amen. Uh, so we are certainly appreciative uh, to have her uh, uh, with us. And she, we have two of our three sons uh, with us, Collins and Lennox, aka Hurricane and Tornado. And if you're sitting close to them, it's not going to take long for you to find out which one is tornado. Amen, somebody. Uh, But we want to at this time acknowledge our visitors. We certainly are appreciative uh, to have you with us this morning where we have gathered here this morning with God uh, in mind and the reverence of God and the things of God. Uh, in mind this day. So if there's anything that you may see uh, that may be different than anything else that you've seen before, certainly uh, we invite you to ask any question that you may have on your heart that we might be able to give you a Bible uh, answer. As I said uh, earlier, I am not the candle. I'm not the minister of this congregation. But we are certainly uh, appreciative to be here uh, this morning. And certainly, if you have any questions, the brothers here uh, will more, more be more than happy to get you uh, answer to any Bible question that you may have. And always acknowledge members because it's a wonderful thing to see members in the house of God. But prayerfully, by now you recognize this as your Christian duty and responsibility. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying you're supposed to be here. A- amen a- amen 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 if you have your Bibles if you have your copy of the word of God if you don't mind those are able to stand please stand that we might be able to reverence the reading of the scripture all those that are able to stand if you have your Bibles ephesians chapter four ephesians chapter four And we'll begin reading at verse number one, and we'll commence reading at verse number three. When you have it, say amen. The Bible says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I was asked this morning uh, to give the benefits of unity. So we tagged this text with a sermonic subject. And if you don't mind, turn to your neighbor and say, Neighbor, y'all can do better than that. Turn to your neighbor and say, Neighbor, neighbor. the preacher's sermon is we belong together. You may be seated. We Belong together. We belong together. Saints, might I submit to you this morning that everyone in this room possesses personal differences. We all have experienced honored, and have been exposed to various upbringings that have been conditioned by the cultural circumstances that we have been through. It is said that culture is a powerful thing because culture refers to the values, the beliefs, and the shared ideas of what is normal. All of us in here, because of our cultural differences, we all have a different standing of what is normal your normalcy may not be my normalcy because of how I was raised psychologists believe that from a childhood your normalcy is developed and when you become an adult the things that you have learned from your childhood becomes what is considered the norm I told the saints in Appaloosas my normalcy I didn't grow up with a salad fork and a dessert fork when it was time to eat we just had a fork amen somebody and for some of you you act like you cannot eat your food with a dessert fork or the salad but my normalcy is as long as we had something to pick up our food and put it in our mouth that was the normalcy in my mother's house we grew up in a house where children had to respect their parents that was a normalcy my mama and my daddy always had the last word and I try to have the last word in my mama's house, I would find myself in somebody's hospital. That was the normalcy for our family. But nowadays, we live in such a generation now where the kids have the last word in their parents' own house. And for some of us, the that we grew up in has been changing in so much that the challenge that we even face now in the body of Christ is that we have. How can we have unity in the body when there are so many differences? Some would suggest that with such cultural and ethnic disparities, some would suggest that separation and sequestration is the only option for unity. Some people believe that in order for us to have unity, we need to be segregated. And those of us in here that have grown up in the 60s and 70s found out that that did not work. While others would suggest that the coming together in the assembly with known diversities, it is understood as unity with diversity. We don't all have to agree just as long as we all are assembled under the same roof, that's all right. And can I tell you this morning that according to God, neither one of these options are plausible with God because what God had in his mind for us not to be segregated, for us not to just simply come in the room, but not be on one accord, when God had unity in mind, God had us all together, had us all sitting under the same roof with one accord, all having the same mind. It's so much that in John chapter 17 Jesus prayed. He prayed for his disciples first. He said, neither do I pray for these alone. He's talking about his disciples, those that walk with him, those that witnessed his ministry, those that were willing to deny themselves and follow Jesus Christ. He says, I'm not just praying for you. He said, but I'm also praying for all of those that going to believe on me through thy word. He said, I pray that you all might be one. That is, that you all might be unified, that when you come together, there ought to be some coming together. The Holy Spirit would inspire the Apostle Paul to pen a letter to the churches of Asia Minor that they might understand God's call for unity. The apostle Paul writes this letter uh, known as the book of Ephesians, known as the book of Ephesians. But when he writes this letter, understand that he's writing this letter in a Roman jail cell chained to two guards. He still was able to receive visitors. That's why he was able to transcribe and transport this letter by Titicus in order that in the region of Asia Minor might be able to understand all that God would have them to know in order for their unity to be one. The book of Ephesians is known as a circular letter. It was not a letter just intended for the Ephesian church, but it was a letter intended to circulate around all the churches of Asia Minor. As a matter of fact, not only around Asia Minor, but also around the world, can I tell you the book of Ephesians was for the Hollywood Street Church of Christ. I said the book of Ephesians was for the Hollywood Street Church of Christ. It was written in such a manner that the generalization that Paul would use, he would write it in such a manner that they all might be able to understand what God has done for their salvation. Now, watch this now, because even though it was not specifically written to them, the book, the, the, the church in Ephesus had a special relationship with the apostle Paul. Paul, in the book of Acts chapter 19, would establish that church. The Bible lets us know on his second missionary journey, it was. His third missionary journey that he went back to Ephesus and he spent two or three more years there in the book of Acts chapter 20. And the Bible lets us know that he gathered the elders together before he left because he wanted the elders to know God has set something up. God has put you together. And if you are not careful, there's going to be some people that's going to come in here that's going to try to divide you. He said in Acts chapter 20, at verse number 28, we know the scripture. The Bible says, take heed unto yourselves and all the flock over which the Holy Ghost had made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he what, purchased what? With his own blood, he says, after I leave. He said, now the wolf's not gonna come when I'm there. The wolf's not gonna come when the man of God is there teaching and preaching the word of God. They gonna wait till after I leave, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm kind of uh, a little in, in contrary with that because if you that bad of a wolf, you ought to come while Paul is there. Why you gotta wait till Paul leaves? But you need to know that they saw Paul as a threat, so they was waiting for the threat to leave in order to come in that they might be able to teach things different than what Paul has teaching. You need to know that's how false teachers are doing. They won't do anything while the man of God is in the pulpit preaching the word. They gonna wait till they go outside. They gonna wait to get you to somebody's house. Hey, 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 man, y'all don't have that problem out here, but watch this now, watch this now. And he writes this letter. And if I had time, I would pause for station identification because Paul told him to feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I would pause and tell you that that was a church of Christ that Paul started in the city of Ephesus. That was not just any church. That was the church that Jesus loved enough that he was willing to die for. And that's the church that we ought to be members of if we're going to make heaven our eternal home. Paul writes this letter with two themes in mind. Paul wants them to know what God has done for them, and he wants them to know their responsibility and the response to what God has done for them, so much that in chapter 4, at verse number 1, chapter 4 and verse number 1 is known as the hinge, hinge pin of this letter, because when he says, therefore, he hinges off of everything that he said in chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. Preacher, what did Paul say in chapter 1 in Ephesians, chapter 1, Paul declared that you are blessed beyond measure because he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who had blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. In Christ, he said, you are truly blessed because you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You have been truly blessed because something at one point was not known to everybody has now been known to you, you are truly blessed because in chapter two, he said, You are dead in your trespasses and your sins, but God has quickened you. He said, God has made it available for you to be saved. In chapter three, he said, That all men may see what is the fellowship of the mystery that God had hid at one point, but he says, Now God has all made known to you. He said, Now, based upon what God has done for you and the gospel of Jesus Christ for your sake. Says, therefore, at verse number one of chapter four, he says, Therefore, there ought to be something that you cannot do based upon what God has done for you. He says, I therefore, he says, the prisoner of the Lord. And I like that because Paul said, now watch this now. Paul said, I know you know I'm in chains, but I need you to know I'm not in chain by any man. I know you know I'm in chains. But can I tell you this morning? There's no man that has me in chains. Paul said, "God knows what He's doing." I said, "God knows what He's doing." I'm trying to help some of you with you have the proper perspective about life. You can be in chains and not be in chains. I say, when you have the proper perspective about life, because at the end of the day, life is how you see it. They met somebody. Some of you in here think your life is morbid and grim because of that's how you see life. And it's amazing that other people can be in the same situation that you in and they don't have the same perspective about life. Paul says, yes, I'm in chains, but I'm not in chains from any man. I'm in chains for what God has done for me. He said, I'm not man's prisoner, I'm God's prisoner. One writer said it this way, it's almost as if Paul, while he was in jail, he almost could see God in the jail cell with him. Oh, y'all didn't miss you all shout. He said, while I'm in jail, he said, I'm not worried about it because he said, I know God in jail with me. He said, that's why I'm his prisoner because his perspective was, if God has me in jail, I'm not worried about it because I know he's in jail with me. Paul, I know that's right because the Bible lets us know there was another occasion when Paul was in jail with Silas and the Bible said they were singing at midnight. You got to know God is in jail with you to be singing at midnight. And he said, watch this now. He said, I'm a prisoner, but I'm God's prisoner. Now, watch this now. The text is tailored to teach us three benefits that we'll find right here in our text. The first benefit that we see of unity is that understanding that unity identifies our common connection. In the second case, I want you to see the benefits of unity because it implores our common calling. And in the third case, what I want you to see, the benefits of unity is that it ensures our common commitment. But in the first case, I need you to see unity identifies our common connection. That is something. in here have that ties all of us in here together now watch this now because I just told you all of us in here come from cultural and different backgrounds but there's something that has brought all of us in here together and can I tell you this morning that's the gospel of Jesus Christ and because of the gospel we can now call God our father Because of the gospel, the Bible says that he has bestowed his blessings upon us, that he has chosen us in him. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 at verse number 5, the Bible says God has also adopted us. See, I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad I'm adopted. Because if I tell y'all the truth this morning, before I was adopted, my other daddy didn't treat me right. My other daddy uh, let me destroy myself spiritually in so much that Jesus said I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I walked according to the course of this world because my other daddy didn't care nothing about me. But I thank God that God was willing to adopt me. He was willing to take me out of the care of my other father because he could not take care of me and my adopted father. When he got me and he adopted me, he's treating me just like he treats his son. And I'm glad my other daddy rich, amen somebody. Y'all can say what y'all want, this the real orphan Annie story. You have an orphan Annie story because when you lived in the world, you didn't have anything but your daddy that's rich now. See, some of y'all didn't even shout on that. I got a rich daddy, amen somebody. And I thank God my daddy treat me better than anybody else can treat me. I thank God now that I'm a child of God, I have it good. Oh Lord have mercy. Y'all gonna act like that this morning. If you are a child of God in here this morning, you have it good. You have it better. Now, you know, some of y'all believe the lie of the world. Some of y'all believe the lie that you had it better in the world than you have it now. And I tell you, that's a lie of the devil. Amen, somebody. As a child of God, that's no way you can have it good. That's no way you could have had it better in the world than you have it now. Amen. Y'all going to make me come off this pulpit. Lord have mercy. But watch this now. We now have a father that can treat us right. We now have a father has adopted us. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 at verse number 14, we now have a father that was willing to break down the middle wall of partitions you have to understand that in those days, the Jews had a way of making the Gentiles feel like they were dogs and reminded them that they were not the covenant people of God. But God told them through the Apostle Paul and through the Holy Spirit, God said, you Gentiles, you need to let them Jews know that they can no longer look down on you as second-class citizens. You need to let those Jews know that the same thing that they now are able to enjoy is the same thing that you are able to enjoy. I thank God that I don't have to be treated like a second-class Citizen, because I'm a child of God, and Paul said, "Let them Jews know not to look down on you." Watch this now, because he wanted them to know. At one point, yes, God did separate Jew from gentiles to preserve the lineage of Jesus Christ. But watch this. Jesus said, "When I come along, there's no more gonna be no more Jew and Gentile on the different sides of the track. You might have grew up on a different side of the track that I grew up on, but I thank God that when Jesus came along, Jesus put us all on the same track. Some of y'all miss y'all shot. I say he put us all on the same train. And can I tell you this morning, in order to get on this train, it doesn't matter. Your ticket does not be your ticket is not based upon your education. Your ticket is not based upon your ethnicity. Your ticket is not based upon your social or political status. If you want to get on this train, you gotta do it the same way that all of us in here have done it. But thank God because in the body of Christ, sometimes we look down. On one another. I don't have that problem here. Amen. Sometimes that we have arrived in life, we somehow believe that because we have arrived, we can look down on everybody else. God says, in the body of Christ, there's to Jew no Greek male nor female. He says, You are all equal. All equal in my house. And God would go on to show him. Now, I like what Paul does in Ephesians chapter 2 because he would show the church a unique organism. He would show it as a body, but he would also show it as a building. He said, watch this now. Not only is it a body, is it a healthy body that ought to be maintained, but it's also a building. He said, God is building a building, but God's building is not made with brick and mortar. God's building is made with people. Now, watch the blessing of our common connection. God put it in such a manner for each and every one of us with all of our differences to still be able to come in here and get along. See, I knew that was going to act a little funny right, right about here because, you know, we, we come in here and we act like we don't have differences. As a matter of fact, the difference we have is why we bump heads so much. You may say something, and I may take it the wrong way because of my cultural experience. But you didn't mean it that way. And if I'm not careful, I'll allow it to fester in my heart. And you didn't even mean it that way. Once again, y'all don't have that problem. here. Yeah, that's the problem I Alpalooza. Amen, amen. And we're learning how to get along together because we're learning that we belong together. God put us all in here for a reason. God said, you don't need to be somewhere else. As a matter of fact, God put us all in here together so much that even when I got a problem with you, I can't sit over there while you sit over there. Oh, Lord, have mercy. God said, if I got a problem with you and you got a problem with me, we both got to come down, get this right before we go back to our own seats. Watch this now. He says in Ephesians chapter 2, he he speaks of this body as a building. He says a building in verse number 18 and verse number 19 is a building that's fitly joined together. Excuse me, let me see if I can break that down for you because in our 21st century paradigm, when we think of building a building, we oftentimes think of brick and mortar. And it's interesting because when we think of brick and mortar, can I tell you when a builder gets his bricks, most of his bricks are the same size. And when he's building that building, because they are of the same size, when he's putting that mortar down, he's able to lay one brick, put the mortar down, lay another brick, and it's symmetric, and it just simply and easily goes up. But watch this now. Paul is not speaking of that. Paul is actually speaking back then when when they had to build buildings, they would build buildings with stones. And when they would build buildings with stones, they didn't have any brick and mortar. So, with the master builder, because they would have to bring in a master builder, the master builder was so skilled that they would bring him a bunch of stones. He would look at the stones. He would examine the stones and then he would start building the building. He didn't have any brick and mortar. He would look at the stones and he would decide which stone went where, in so much that he could build a wall without any brick or mortar. Watch this now. God took us with all of our differences. And some of us in here have some uneven and jagged edges. I say some of us in here. Have some, une- if y'all frowning at me, I, I know who the uneven and jagged edges is, amen. And some of us in here, we come in here with our uneven and jagged edges and God looks at us. And God takes us and he puts us right where we need to be. Because God says as the master builder, as Jesus, the master builder, I know where to take you and I know where to put you. And when I put you there, I know what I'm building. He said, I'm building a building that's going to be able to stand up. You see, when we come in here, some of them, some of us come in here with our uneven and jagged edges, and we start poking other people. And when we poke other people, sometimes we get on people's nerves. And with our uneven and jagged edges, sometimes we cut one another. Because we're uneven and jagged. Matter of fact, I had to tell them in our Pelusas that some of us in here come in here with hurts, pains, and scars from the past. And sometimes people that walk through those doors that have hurt, pains, and scars, they walk through those doors. And they look amongst us. that try to act holy as if we don't have any hurts, scars, and pains. And then they somehow believe that they don't belong here. Can I tell you this morning, if you've come in here with some hurts, some scars, and some pains, guess what? You belong in here. You belong in here. See, too many times in the body of Christ, we put on a facade. And we put on a holy facade so much that when people walk in, they somehow think that all of us in here got it all together. Can I tell you, we don't have it all together. Can I unveil the veil this morning? Many of us in here don't wrap. All of us in here don't have it all together. Amen, somebody. Some of us just come in here in a three-piece suit or a vest on and a nice dress and make it seem like we got it all together. But can I tell you, if you take that suit off, if you uncover that veil, you're going to discover some of us in here got the same problems you got. So we need people to know that when they come through those doors, they belong in here and we belong together, amen, somebody. Now watch this now, we understand uh, because Paul identifies our common connection, but then I need you to also see, in the second case, Paul implores common calling. All of us in here, we have a calling. Have a calling. Y'all have allowed these televangelists to scare y'all when it comes to calling. Understand, we all have a calling because it is the gospel that calls uh, each and every one of us. Thank you, my brother. It's the gospel that calls each and every uh, one of us. And we need to know that because of what God has done through the gospel, each of us in here have a calling. Watch this now. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, he said, I beseech you, I said, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein you are called. Paul says, I beg you to walk worthy. That's your call. You are called to have a worthy walk. Paul said, based upon everything that God has done for you through the gospel, he says, your life ought to match your calling. Now, watch this now. He says, worthy walk. They weren't walk- conduct of one's life, Paul says, and he uses his words some 32 times throughout his letters, and he wanted your life, the calling that you have uh, been given. He would expound on everything from chapter one to chapter three and sum it up in one particular verse, and he would say, therefore, he said, now let your calling be made an election sure. He said, you ought to live in such a life that is keeping with the gospel. He uses the word worthy. That word worthy has the idea in the original Greek, it means to bring up to balance. I remember being in science class, and I remember most of the experiments that we would have, we would have to use what is known as a triple beam balance. Some of y'all y'all been out of science class that long, right? Amen. That was a shout out to all the biology majors. Amen, somebody. We'd have to use a triple beam balance. And what it is, you would put the weight on one beam. And then the thing that you were using, the material that you were using, the samples that you were using, you will put it on the other. And the idea was to allow it so much that where it would actually balance up. And Paul said, watch this now. He said, everything that God has done through you through the gospel of Jesus Christ with all the blessing that God has given you, making the manifold manifold wisdom of God known unto you. He said, your life ought to be lived in such a manner that your life can measure up to what God has done for you. In other words, Paul was. As a child of God, it ought to be a shame for the child of God to be living a raggedy life. <laughs> it ought to be a shame for the child of God to be living like those in the world. I'm looking at the lights. Amen, somebody. And I thank God this morning. I don't know none of y'all business. Amen, somebody. Let me preach it. Amen. Amen. Our life as a child of God it ought to measure up to what God has done for us, and too many times, if we are not careful, we have allowed the enemy to use us up so much that our life does not differentiate from the lives of those that are living in the world. But Paul says you are a beacon of light in the world for a reason, and your life ought to measure up. To measure up to your calling, he says God has called you for a reason. You ought to be different. Amen, somebody. That's nothing wrong. Don't let the world try to make you feel down on the fact that as a child of God, you've made some sacrifices that you don't go running to the same ride. Shame on you. You went to the Boosted concert last night. Preach out, you knew about it. I knew about it. I saw some people going to the store. Amen. Getting their stuff for it. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Watch this. Your life ought to measure up. Now, does that mean that we don't fall? We all fall, amen. And we all can make some bad decisions. But the challenge that we have is not to allow that to become our lifestyle. To where every day there's no difference between us and those in the world. Now, watch this now. We're not different so we can look down on the people in the world. We're different that we might be able to help the people in the world. For too many times, the body of Christ have looked down on others and the life that they live not understanding that God has called us up that we might be able to bring them up as well and not look down on them. But we have a common calling. Paul said now, when you understand that, he said, now, how do I do? Because some of you say, well, preacher, I want to walk worthy. But how do I walk worthy? Watch this now. Paul will give you three things in order for you to understand how you can walk worthy. And I'll bring this to a close. Paul says, watch this now. He says, um, the Bible says, I beseech you to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Watch this now. He said, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another. Paul says, with all lowliness, that word lowliness simply means humility. You, you have to understand, Paul is writing to these Gentiles. In, in Greek culture, humility was not something you would speak of. As a matter of fact, when humility was used in Greek literature, it was used in a negative connotation because humility was not something that was demonstrated within the characteristics of the Greek. They actually enjoyed and they actually exalted pride. They exalted the idea of lifting oneself up. And many of us, if we are not careful, we can get caught up in self exaltation in so much that all we think about is self. Let me see if I can come a little closer this morning. You ever told yourself, I deserve it? I'm going to step back. Amen. Some of y'all acting funny. I deserve it. And if we are not careful, we'll continue to tell ourselves, I deserve it in so much that we exalt ourselves in so much that we won't even be able to help anybody else. Paul says in the body of Christ, in order for our unity to become together, in order for us to get along with one another, in order for us to come in the assembly and be of one accord, we have to learn humility. It's not always about you. I said, it's not always. I'll tell you, it can't always be about you. It got to be somebody else, right? Amen. Some of us, it can be about us all the time, but the one time it's not about us, we get mad. I'm going to step back again. Amen. He says, you and he says, if you don't know what humility is, he said, watch this now. He said, listen to the letter I wrote to the Philippians in order for you to understand what humility is. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 at verse number 3, Paul says, we ought to be able to consider and esteem others greater than ourselves. He said, look not every man to his own things, but lick him to the things of the others. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He said, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took on the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He said, you want to know what humility is? Humility is willing to pour out yourself for somebody else. And when was the last time you poured out your bowels of mercy for somebody else? I like this quote for humility. I thought it was the best quote I've ever seen. He said, humility is not thinking too much of yourself. Not thinking too low of yourself. It's not thinking of yourself at all. Ooh, that was deep, preacher. Say that again. It's not thinking too much or too low. It's not thinking of yourself at all. Sometimes you got to deny yourself. Sometimes it has to be about the other person. Sometimes I can't have my own parade. Sometimes I got to know how to throw a parade for somebody else. Sometimes I can't always lift up myself. Sometimes I have to make it my business to lift other people. And some of y'all, we so simple, you tell us our suit look good. We smiling. Amen. I know I'm trying to lose some weight, brother. You tell me, brother, look like you lost one pound. I'm smiling, amen. Sometimes we got to know how to lift one another up that we might be able to preserve the unity in the body of Christ. Why should now? I got to close, I got to close. He said, with all lowliness, with meekness, with meekness, that word meekness comes from the same Greek word, which means gentleness. It's the fruit of the spirit. He says, gentleness is simply being self-controlled. We have to learn, if we're going to, have unity in here, we got to be controlled. Everybody in here can't be going off the handle. Amen. Somebody has to have some control. If you walk in a room and the temperature's already hot in the room, somebody got to bring the temperature down. You can't walk in a room with a hot head, with a hot room, Amen. somebody, it's only going to get hotter. Somebody has to walk in the room and bring the temperature down in the room by being controlled. And now that's a challenge for some of us, if we tell the truth. Because watch this, culturally, we grew up in a house where you see mama go off the handle and you see daddy go off the handle. So now culturally, because of your upbringing, you automatically think in order to handle a situation, I have to handle it the same way. So when I'm met with a situation or somebody comes to me, it's difficult for me to control myself because I'm used to letting this tongue loose. And how many of you know the tongue is a powerful thing? Oh, Lord, have mercy. I say the tongue. I wish I had time to go to the book of James, but it's a powerful thing. And if we are not careful, if we are not careful, there has to be some self-control that we have in the body of Christ that we might be able to maintain the unity that we have in here together. Watch this now. I got to close. He says also now, he says, long-suffering, that word long-suffering is patience. 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 Amen. Amen. It's going to marinate. It's going to marinate for some of y'all. Patience. It's not easy to have patience. It's not easy. It's not easy. Hey, thank you, my sister. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. Because I don't know why we put on that spiritual halo and we act like we got it all together. Like we don't have any problem with patience. But some of us in here, we tell the truth this morning. We have a problem with patience. For some people in here, your microwave is too slow. Thank you. Thank you, my sister. Amen. Patience to learn how to wait on God. If I had time, I don't have time. But if I had time, I would bring you to uh, Psalms, chapter, Psalms, the 40th division of the book of Psalms. And I like what the psalmist did because the psalmist said, I waited patiently. Now, watch this now. He said, I waited patiently. Now, patiently is waiting. But watch this now. He put it in such a context for you to understand what he was saying. He said, I waited patiently on the Lord, and the Lord inclined his ear unto me. The only reason the Lord inclined his ear unto me because I learned how to wait patiently. Now, watch this now. He uses this twice in the original... Hebrew, it actually has the idea of learning how to wait while you wait. Ooh, some of y'all miss that. I have to learn how to wait while I wait. I have to learn how to trust God while God is delaying me, while God is using me, while God is shaping and molding me. I have to learn how to trust him in so much that I can still sing his praise while he has me waiting. Y'all, y'all know, how many of you, you go in the doctor's office, they got you waiting too long. All of a sudden, the best doctor in the world. Amen. But he says you have to learn patience because some of us in here, we're not all on the same spiritual level. The book of 1 John sums it up because some of us in here are spiritual babes. Some of us in here are spiritual young men, and some of us in here are mature. We have to learn how to have patience with the spiritual babes. We have to learn how to have patience with one another as we go through our heartaches and as we go through our pains and as we long suffer with one another because not all of us in here have arrived. As a matter of fact, none of us in here have arrived. Amen. And when we learn how to patiently wait on one another because we consider One another, because at one point somebody waited on us, amen. Somebody at one point, somebody didn't give up on us when we couldn't make it here Sunday after Sunday. At some point, somebody waited on us when we didn't know how to control our tongue and would look people in the face and not tell them good morning, amen. Somebody waited on us. And if we learn how to do that for one another, Paul says, now, if you can do that with and for one another, watch this now. Watch the blessing as I bring this to a close. The Bible says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, he said, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. As I bring this to a close, watch this now. He gives us the third element of the benefit of our unity. He said, it ensures our common commitment. He uses the word endeavor. He would use the word endeavor throughout uh, many of his letters. The word endeavor actually means to give it all that you have to do it diligently, everything that's within your ability and within your power. All of us in here, we know what we are capable of. And many of us in here, we are not meeting our full potential of what we are capable of. Paul said it is a responsibility for every member in the body of Christ to endeavor. Watch this now, three things I'll give you in this lesson will be yours. He says in order to have our common, in order to ensure our common commitment, he says we have a responsibility to unity. He said we have a responsibility to preserve it, to protect it, and to promote it. All of us in here have a responsibility to preserve unity. The Bible says, endeavoring to keep the unity. See, God already made the unity. He met somebody. That's what God did on the cross of Calvary when he was able to bring Jew and Gentile together. God did that for us. God says, I don't want you to be peacemakers. I want you to be peacekeepers. God says, I made the unity. It's a responsibility for every person in here to make sure you preserve it. When I was small, uh, me and my brothers, I don't, my brother and sister, I, I don't know what it was, uh, brother Young, but it just seemed like every day we, we we wanted to fight one another. I mean, not every day. I mean, I mean every day. I mean, like when we woke up in the morning, we were just ready to get at it. And my mother would come in the house, and anytime we were fighting, she would always tell us to keep the peace. And I didn't understand what she was saying. I'm like, what are you talking about? Peace, you don't know she just smashed my toy. She just did this and he just did that. And she would always tell us to keep the peace. And it was later that I understand, Brother Young, as I got older, I understood that my mother and father, their responsibility was to bring the peace in the house, to make sure there was peace in the house, to make sure there was unity in the house. And she was letting each and every one of us know we had a responsibility to keep the peace. It wasn't our responsibility to make it. It was our responsibility to keep it. And you need to know God has made peace with man. And it's our responsibility in the body of Christ to make sure that we are preserving. Not only do we have a responsibility to preserve it, we also have a responsibility to protect it. The devil would take no greater joy than for every one of us in here to be fighting. He loves it when we backbite and divide one another. The devil loves it when you get on the phone. I'm looking up. Right after service, did you see what that sister had on? Do you see what that brother was talking to? It seemed like he hung around them for a long time. The devil takes no greater joy than to make sure there's no unity in this house. That's why he can isolate you by yourself. Amen, somebody. See, his job, he knows that as long as you are tied to the body, he can't get you. But as long as you isolate yourself, he knows that he can get you. And his opportunity and his job is to make all of us in here mad with one another. It's so much that there's no unity in this house. But watch this now. Paul said you have an obligation to make sure that you are protecting unity. That when the devil tries to sow a seed in your heart or he tries to use you to sow this scar, you have to let him know I have a responsibility to keep the peace in this house. And I'm going to protect the unity that we have in the body of Christ. And then he says not only you have responsibility to preserve it, to protect it. But you have a responsibility to promote unity. Your responsibility to promote unity. See, when we understand the big picture and we understand what God has done, promoting unity in the body of Christ ought not to be difficult. But we have to understand the big picture. I'll close with this. When I was young, my cousin, about 11 years old, he enjoyed crossword puzzles. I didn't like crossword puzzles because for me crossword puzzle was always a waste of my time because it was so challenging that when I took it out of the box all these pieces was uneven and in my mind none of these pieces fit but my cousin he would pull a crossword puzzle out rather he would pull a puzzle out and he would take all his pieces and he was smiling while he was taking all the pieces and started putting them together I would oftentimes look at him and try to figure out why is he smiling all these pieces they don't go together I don't know why he's wasting his time but what later realized that my cousin had a unique ability that while he was putting the pieces together in his mind he could see the big picture the reason he could smile while he was putting all these uneven pieces together because in his mind he could see the big picture he could see what it would look like when he was finished so why he was putting it together he could see what it would look like why it was finished I thank God that in the body of Christ the reason we could promote unity is because Lord have mercy we ought to be able to see one another when God finishes with us and when God molds us and when God shapes us, we ought to be able to see what each and every one of us in here can be. So I thank God. I got some brothers and sisters I deal with, and I say, Lord, have mercy. And when God finished with them, amen. I'm going to promote unity because I don't want to see anybody walk out those doors because I know that when they walk in here, no matter what you walk in here with, if you let God shape and mold you. There was a brother that just got baptized in Appaloosa not that long ago, and he was telling his testimony, and I said, Lord, have mercy. I said, brother, if you stay in here long enough for God to use you, I said, you're going to have a testimony in the streets. But too many times, we don't stay in here long enough for God to shape and mold us and get us where we need to be. I'm saying, don't let the devil destroy what you have. Don't let him destroy what you have. Brother said ever called me back. I want to see all y'all in here. Amen. And I want to see more people in here because of the unity. I want to see y'all laughing and smiling. I thank God that when service is over with, everybody doesn't take a B-line straight to the door. Now, I just put y'all on blast. Y'all don't do that when we close. Amen, somebody. You may have somewhere to go, but you say, that preacher said, don't take a B-line. At least go around. But if we're able to do that, we're able to enjoy the unity that God would have us to have. When I was a young man, preacher, you said you was closing. I'm closing. When I was a young man, I would walk in the house some days. And Brother Young, my mom would watch a television show. And I couldn't understand why she would watch it, because it seemed like it was always dark. I later figured out it was dark because in a bar. But she was always watching the television show and it seemed like every day when I got in, I would always get in just in time for the show to come on. And I always hear the theme song play at the beginning. And for some reason, it was just a catchy theme song. And before I knew it, every day when I walk in, I was looking for that theme song to be played because I knew it was going to be on every day when I walked in. And it says, making your way in the world today, taking everything you got. Taking a break from all of your worries. Sure it would be a lot, Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you wanna go where everybody knows your name. And that's always glad you are. And you want to be where you can be seen. The troubles are all the same. You want to where everybody knows your name. You want to go where people know the people are all the same, you want to go where everybody knows. Amen, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't act that holy this morning. Cheers. Amen, somebody. And I always thought to myself that I want to go somewhere. where Everybody knows my name. Where When I come in, I can feel love. And I thank God this morning. Now, watch this. Now, I'm not advocating cheers on no boy. Amen, somebody. I'm advocating what God has done because God has placed us in a place where even if you don't know everybody's name, I thank God we can come in a place where we all wear the same name. That's a child of God. And if you are a child of God in here this morning, you want to make sure that the unity is preserved in this house. You want to make sure the unity is protected in this house. And you want to do all you can to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're not saved this morning, if you're not a Christian, you're not a child of God, you can come this day. I got good news and I got bad news. The bad news is that you're a sinner. The good news is that God loved you so much that he was willing to allow his only begotten son to die on the cross of Calvary for your salvation. The Bible said they buried him in Joseph's new tomb. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. He did that. And when he rose from the grave, he rose with all power. When he rose from the grave, he purchased the church of Christ with his own blood. God made a way of salvation for each and every one of us in here. And if you want to be saved this morning, the good news is that God loved you so much that he was willing to give his son just for you. God loves you so much, he, wants, he, he doesn't just put you anywhere. The Bible says that when you are saved, God puts you in the assembly, in the body of believers. He puts you in his church. That you may be able to work out your soul salvation he doesn't put you in any church he puts you in the church that you can read about in the holy scriptures i know there's great controversy in the world that we live in when it comes to what the word of god says and I, i'm just i'm just i'm just one of those kind of preachers where i'm gonna stick to the word amen and i'm gonna tell you what god has done in order for you to be saved if you want that this morning you can come by hearing god's word romans 10:17. Be willing to believe what you have heard Hebrews 11 and 6. Be willing to repent of your sins, Luke 13. Be willing to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Matthew 10.32. And be willing to be buried in the water grave of baptism for the remission of your sins. And you'll become a Christian, no more, no less. You'll become a child of God. Will you now be able to experience God's blessings? Will you be able to experience God's forgiveness? I thank God that I don't have to get down on myself every time I make a mistake. Amen, somebody. That doesn't mean I live in my sins. It just means that I have the covenantal blood of Jesus, the Christ, that even when the devil tries to allow me to wallow in my sin, I remind the devil that I have a Savior that was willing to die for me. And through his blood, I can get up from where I'm at. I can do better. And I'm praying that all of us in here can do better because of what God has done for us. My brother, what are we singing? What are we singing? As we be standing. And if you stand in need of heaven's invitation, you remember the body of Christ and you say, you know what, preacher, I haven't been doing all I can to preserve, to protect, and to promote the unity in this house. Ask the saints to pray for me that I'll do all I can. If that be your need, as we all together stand and sing our invitation to song.